Hi guys, and welcome to episode 2 of The Diary of a Hungry Girl. This episode I really did want to focus on just kind of the start. Um, I think that that's owed to you guys. It's, it'll provide some context about my struggles and where things really started um, throughout my journey towards recovery for me. Uh, this journal entry was written the first time I tried to seek medical attention for my eating disorder. It was also not necessarily the first time, but it was more so my first time seeking inpatient care. And ironically, I was denied care because I wasn't deemed sick enough, um, which is detrimental to anyone who suffers with an eating disorder, being told that you are not sick enough, don't look sick enough, or you could be sicker. It kind of creates this psychological desire to become sicker and this this challenge where you think if you don't think I'm sick enough let me show you how sick I can get and within my eating disorder when it started that was really my goal it was never about a number on a scale or I don't know essentially looking thinner to me it was I wanted to look sick in fact my goal was to look like I was dying uh, that was that was what I wanted. That's what I thought that I needed to do to show people I was struggling and I wasn't okay. You know, I started my eating disorder when I was about 12. And, you know, some people might say that's crazy young. It's really, you know, any age is not, never, the, a, you know, an age to have an eating disorder. Uh, but it did go unnoticed because of my age for a long time. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of supervision as a child. And I didn't have a lot of people looking in or after me. So, you know, there wasn't that much concern as to what I was doing or how I looked. So, like I was saying, it really all started at 12. And at 12, I was, I believe that was the time where... A lot of changes were happening and changes make me feel out of control uh, like I'm certain they do for a lot of people and the change for me was one my parents relationship um, they were kind of going through this back and forth of being separated but not being separated and that was really confusing especially because I was being raised in a faith where a parents divorce or separation was so frowned upon you know, that really did create a lot of um, difficulties within the religious community where I wasn't able to make friends because my parents' relationships were just so confusing for other people, which, of course, in any normal, uh, I guess, arrangement, that wouldn't matter. But it was a very, very strict religion. Um, so my parents' relationship status did matter. It mattered to the community. It mattered to other kids. And how they could, you know, essentially hang out with me. And then on top of that, I was kind of doing that whole transition. I had moved from California to New York and I was starting school, you know. And then this was also during those years of transitioning into high school. And high school was brutal. Yeah, high school was just insane for me. Where I... I just felt like my whole world was falling apart every single day. I never really had friends. I knew of people, 
but I, I didn't have anyone I could sit down at lunch with. Um, it, it became one of those things where I knew everyone just enough to say hi, but not enough to confide in or or even consider them a friend. And I always did struggle with that. And, you know, it, it became this thing where I faded into the background. I had no no way of being seen. And that's what my eating disorder did for me. It allowed me to feel visible, um, especially when I entered this dark, dark hole of pro-Anna chats, especially, you know, back when kick was a thing. Um, There were tons of kick group chats of like pro-Anna this, pro-Anna that. And I, I made friends. In fact, I made Thinspo and I was looked at kind of really just like someone who was good at this so I really fell down this deep rabbit hole of thinspo and pro Anna group chats where I made friends and it became this thing where this disorder gave me everything I had wanted um I just didn't know that it would destroy my life in the future in that moment it was the best quick fix I I had friends I had people's attention because when I walked they were horrified at what they saw um, and to a point it felt like it, it, it did its service. Um, the one thing is that I wanted my parents' attention more than anything, and it didn't do me that. I actually went to my school counselor and was like, oh, I have an eating disorder. I do this all the time. Um, you should call my mom. And it was upsetting that the school had to call my mom and tell her. I was hoping that my parents would realize, and then coming from a household where eating disorders weren't understood um the mindset behind it wasn't understood nothing was understood so my parents first reaction was they're going to take you away from us and then it's going to be your fault so you need to eat and it was just uh you know a push of like why don't we address the sickness and it was more of like you're doing this to ruin our lives um, I remember specifically my father was really upset. Um, I just, I, I thought this was a way to get their attention. And it did get their attention, but there was no loving, oh my God, let me take care of you. It was more of like, why are you doing this to us? Um, and and it hurt, but this was also the start of me going to therapy, um, which, you know, I, I do believe that if I didn't attend therapy, I was so caught up in this pro-Anna chat with friends that I, I don't know necessarily that I would have made it. Um, so that was my first time entering therapy, and I definitely did receive some level of care towards an eating disorder, but I also, you know, I I kind of did lie about my recovery. I was really just eating to say I was recovered my relationship with food hadn't changed yet and that was really important I think at the time due to legal concerns and and everyone worrying about whether I'd be taken away from home their concern was my weight versus my relationship with food and that's still suffering till this day so really when I wrote this journal entry um, this was recommended by a friend who has you know, made her way over to recovery and also a psychologist who suggested that I I really focus on healing 
that younger version of myself. I, till this day, I hold so much resentment. I really do get upset just thinking at the thought of how naive I was, you know? If I would have known a decision I made at 12 would impact me till this day at 21, I don't think I would have made that decision. And the decisions that I have made that have impacted my life like that, I always regret. Um, And it's hard because I do regret my eating disorder and developing an eating disorder. But I also, I can recognize that it was the best coping mechanism I had at the time. For the years that I didn't have an eating disorder or I didn't engage in disordered behaviors, I still struggled with my mental health just in a different way. Um, And I, I can say that my disorder did save me to a degree, but it also is very much the reason why I am dying, um, slowly, but still it's contributing to my death if I continue to engage in these behaviors, and, you know, where we discussed last episode a little bit, just my struggle within relapse, I, you know, I, I do struggle every so often, you know, um, the nature of my eating disorder is a little bit different, Um, within the anorexic behaviors that I engage in it is restrictive Um, I I don't necessarily calorie count Um, now sometimes I'll calorie count to something that's high in calories so that I feel like okay I'm eating enough um, or just enough which is never that shouldn't be a thing either but I am slowly working on it but within bulimia I I really just I, I fell for the trap, if that makes any sense. I I became so accustomed to making myself throw up, or if you want to use the word purging, um, I, I, I really did purge to the point where I no longer needed to use my hands. And then I was just convincing myself every time that, um, you know, it's natural if I'm not using my hands. And that now has become this beast that I'm trying to destroy and has been very much a medical mystery to many um, psychiatrists trying to help me with my problem where I purge in essence involuntarily now where my brain just remembers this would be a moment where you throw up so then I I do Um, and I learn techniques to slow down my thinking and slow down my thought process so that you know I can get a better grip and hopefully not throw up, but that is a beast within itself that I, I did make. So um, within my journey towards recovery, I did write a letter to my 12-year-old self because that is the person or one of the people that I do hate. Um, I do hate, but I also love. And it is really hard to love-hate that girl who made a smart terrible decision um thinking it was the best when it really just was nothing other than chaos awaiting me in my my future life um so what i wrote was just guided towards her and um i do apologize for the explicit language but uh bear with me so dear 12 year old me i fucking hate you You were a naive, stupid fucking bitch. You were hurting and you wanted to see. And you wanted people to see. But how can people see you when you're disappearing? 
when you're withering away, 12-year-old me is still killing me today. How dare she have control over me this way? And I'm dying and trying to live, and she won't let me. I'm fighting who I was, who I am, and she still has parts of her hands wrapped around my throat. I can't keep fighting anymore, and I hate you for this, and I know you were hurting, but there were other ways. You could have said something. I know you did eventually, but look at what you've done. You are killing me, and I am killing me. And somehow I refer to this 12-year-old girl that is me till this day, and I'm still that girl, and I still hate me, and I am still killing me, and I want to look at myself and see that I'm beautiful, and instead I see a corpse. When I look at my reflection, I see myself decaying. Is that my exterior matching my insides? We're dying. I'm dying. And this letter isn't to a 12-year-old who doesn't exist. She is still inside of me and screaming. I hear you, and I see you now. I'm sorry for not listening. It was hard to hear you scream as I was funneling food down my throat and I I used food to shut you up to silence you over the years pretending like you didn't exist and I'm still listening to you now you have my attention (sighs) to the beautiful 12 year old girl who was happy who was healthy you have no idea how loved you are I'm gonna save you so we can move on from 12 I've been stuck I I ignored you but wanted people to hear you and you're not crying inside alone anymore our tears are in sync and no longer lay in my stomach but fall from my eyes. I will not ignore you anymore. The world was cruel and disregarded your screams. I'm here. I'm here, my love. I love you. Because you are me. You are not my past or not just my past. You are in me. And you always will be. You don't have to fight anymore. I'm here. You don't have to restrict and refuse. I thought if I starved, I'd starve you out and you'd disappear you are me and I hated you so much I forgot you are me and I'm fighting so hard to live yet I want to kill you I wanted to to kill me and not anymore I I want to hold you close and and hold close to the idea that the time I was 12 I saved my life at 21 my soul remained and stayed with me since to the resilient girl thank you for trying to save me For as much as I fucking hate you, and I care for you, I love you. God, I love you. You don't even know it yet, but you become beautiful even in your heart, and you become kind, and you are kind in the ways that the world was never kind to you. You were beautiful, and your hair grows, and you dye it, and the acne fades, and the boys at school leave you the fuck alone. And it turns out you don't even like men. But you always knew that. You become so strong and you you leave that religious, that religious cult, whatever they call it, all on your own. And not because you, you fall in love, but because you fall in love with the idea of choice. You survive dark times and you'll survive this. This world has its way of dragging me down into the soil, but from, from here is where I grow. So may I plant the seeds that will lead to my growth and healing. May the roots run deep and strong like the grip of the 12-year-old girl in me. She is squeezing my stomach and making my heart race. She is in every muscle that is falling weak because she is dying. I will save you. I will save us. And not just this time, but this one and the next. It gets better and it doesn't always just go away. 
We don't disappear and fall into distant memories. I will carry you with every step. I'm 21, holding the limp body of 12-year-old me. There's a pulse. Stay with me. So I know that um, that, that was a lot to retain and a lot to share. But also, for anyone who is listening, if you understood or connected in any way it's that there's that moment that key moment where these disordered behaviors became your way of surviving the world and you know I struggle with hating that decision that I made but being ever so grateful where I I can acknowledge that it did save my life and that was always really important to me um So for those who are listening and those who have stayed with me throughout this podcast, just listening to what I have to say, um, you can always just know that we make decisions and sometimes those decisions will impact us for a lifetime, but they, they also qualify to be counted towards the good, you know? within my eating disorder as awful as it was it has brought me things it's brought me the opportunity of self-awareness and deeper therapy and healing and learning great tools to navigate life as well as just i am seen now and i am seen for my recovery you know i i have made friends and being able to do that is is really just due to me being healthy healthy I really think people didn't want to be my friend, not just because of what was going on in my life, but also I was so malnourished. I could barely hold a conversation. I don't think I would have wanted to be my friend. Um, malnourished Nick is a scary person. Um, they are very, very just deprived and unable to think and have a thought process. So... And there were so many factors going into this. And I know that you might hear my lack of compassion in the beginning, but that is my that is my first reaction. That is my genuine first reaction. There is rage, there is anger, there is hate. And then there is this soothing amount of love. Because I, I remember what it was like crying in the bathroom, downing laxatives, or, you know, gagging at the thought of how much milk of magnesium I was gonna force myself to drink. You know, the, the, there was moments where I just lacked that compassion for myself. And, and then now when I think about it, I just want to hug this girl so bad. She thought this was the way. That's how alone I was. And in future entries, uh, when I refer to my aloneness, I refer to the island. Um, where That's where I truthfully felt like I spent my 18 years. And when I say the island, that is me alone with nothing no one and sometimes being on an island is is the perfect explanation of what solitude felt like it was not my choice i was stuck on this island and in fact there were people there and people didn't see me and i it that was the explanation of my life i am not being seen there's everyone walking around and everyone seeing me and i'm just screaming out loud and everyone continues about their day as if i don't exist um that's what it was like at 12 and it remained that way for a long time. 12 was not the age where I magically got better. 12 was the age where I thought an eating disorder would be my coping mechanism. Truthfully, things got better not too long ago. Um, 
it's finally starting to fall into place. There's no age really where I can pinpoint things got exactly better. There's just the age where I got help. Um, And with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. I can't wait to, you know, check in with you guys for episode three. I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in and just listening to what I have to share. And I hope you guys can relate to the positives and really pull the message from this podcast. Till next time.